This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free uncommon sense parenting class. How is everyone today? It's been busy, busy around here. My kids are now settled into school. I spent the first week that they were out of my hair renovating the main bathroom in our home, and that's finally almost wrapped up. We've had all kinds of stuff going on in parentability. We're getting ready to start getting our parentability app set up and out into the world, which is super exciting, and there will be more on that coming soon. So, you know, lots of balls in the air right now, and I know many of you have been feeling similarly. And one thing that's making things just a bit more stressful than they already are for many parents is pickups and drop-offs. This is the time of year parents start to panic about pickups and drop-offs a bit more. The first week in a new situation, most parents are pretty chill about it. It's new. We expect the separation anxiety. The second week, we're like, okay, this adjustment is taking a little bit longer than expected. Now that we're four weeks into September, if your child is still having a rough time with pickups and drop-offs, you may be starting to panic a little bit. So let's talk about pickups and drop-offs and how we can help our kids adjust to this new normal. Before we jump into it though, allow me to introduce myself. Hi, my name is Alana Robinson and I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. I help you understand why your children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group, and I'm the creator of the Parentability Program where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. So if you're new around here, say hi. Don't hesitate to ask questions in the comments as we go along. And while you're here, you might as well like and subscribe so that you never miss another class. All right, so what makes pickups and drop-offs so hard on kids? Well, they're moments of transition. And when it comes to young kids, they're transitioning from an environment where they have an adult who they have a secure attachment to, to an environment where they don't. In other words, they're transitioning from an environment where they feel totally safe to one where they don't. And we know that keeping ourselves safe is really our prime concern. The safer we feel, the easier it is to stay regulated. The less energy we use, the better we're able to behave. We compensate for our children a lot, far more than I think most parents realize, because our children are just developing their executive functioning skills. We tend to take over some of that stress of using them when they're around. Our kids don't have to waste energy on organization. Mom's going to put my jack and his shoes away for me. I don't have to waste energy on self-monitoring. Dad will keep track of my routine for me. I don't have to waste energy on flexible thinking. If there's an obstacle to what I want, mom will come up with an alternative for me. Which means even if our kids can competently do those things, they often won't when we're around because they know we'll pick up the slack. And that way, they preserve their energy for a situation where they don't have someone compensating for them. But when they go to school or daycare or preschool, there's nobody to pick up that slack. 
right? This is the situation that they've been preserving their energy for because it's all on them. There's generally eight to 15 kids per adult. The adults can't compensate for everybody. Plus, we aren't securely attached to them the way we are with our parents. So we may trust them on a, you're not going to attack me level, but we don't necessarily trust that they won't let us die, which I know, I know it sounds dramatic, but those are the extremes that our lizard brain thinks in. So they have to use their executive functioning skills at a much higher level when they're not with a secure attachment figure. They've got to be on because to not be on creates the perception of danger. And because these skills are still in the early stages of development, they take a lot of energy to use. They're very draining. They suck a lot of energy. We talked about restraint collapse a couple of weeks ago, and that's why restraint collapse happens, right? They've been using these skills at a much higher level that by time they come back into our home, they just can't use them anymore. They're drained, they're out of juice, they're exhausted and they have no more energy to use, but they're back with us, so they're safe. And they know that we aren't gonna let them die. So how does this relate to pick up and drop offs? Well, going from low arousal to high arousal is tough. It takes a lot of energy. And leaving your attachment figures when you don't feel like you have enough energy to keep yourself safe is really scary. The same goes for pickups. It's that restraint collapse. Down-regulating gradually takes a lot of practice. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're just so relieved to be home that you just kind of lose it. <laughs> like I remember when I was in university in Alberta and it had been a tough semester. I wasn't getting along with one of my profs. I'd had H1N1. And then right before I was scheduled to come home for a few weeks in the summer, I got a massive sinus infection and it just took me out. And I'd forced my way through the last two weeks of my field placement with school with this raging infection. And then I got on a plane. And I don't know if you've ever flown with a sinus infection, but way worse than childbirth in my experience. It's painful. And I got off the plane and my mom was there to pick me up. And I just lost it. I was like 22 or 23. I wasn't a child by a long shot, but I just fell apart when I saw my mom and she hugged me. I had been using all the last scraps of my energy that I could muster to finish off my semester and get all my assignments in and finish all the paperwork for my early intervention clients because I was also working part-time as an early interventionist in the evenings. And the moment that I recognized that my mom was there and I didn't have to take care of myself anymore, I could rely on her to take care of me, I just lost it. None of this was conscious. None of this is something that you think about on the surface. It's a feeling. It's an attachment. And so I was there sobbing in the airport. She took me home. I passed out cold on the couch. I had the best sleep that I'd had in weeks. She made me soup. I burst into tears because I didn't have to make the soup for myself. It was just such a relief to be able to lean on my mom and know that she would take care of me. She was going to compensate for me. 
And it's the same thing with our kids, just on a slightly smaller scale. But the emotions and the energy drain are just as large because they aren't 20-year-olds. They're two, three, four, five-year-olds who can't take care of themselves long-term. They still need us. And using all of your skills to take care of yourself for eight hours while you're at school is about the equivalent to going to school full-time and working part-time with a raging sinus infection energy output-wise. <laughs> so how can we make this easier on them? Because even if we understand the why behind it, that doesn't really make it any easier to drop off your sobbing child day after day or picking up your sobbing child day after day. And the short answer is reduce the amount of energy they need to use to make the transition. So for pickups, try and do it the same way every single day and do it quickly. The longer you draw it out, the harder it is because the more energy they have to use evaluating the situation and mentally preparing for the loss of your compensation. So drive the same way to school, always say the same parting words. If you are able to take them in and change their shoes and hang up their bags for them, great. But do those things, say your greeting and get out. Don't linger. Yes, it may still result in tears, but as long as your child's teacher says that they are recovering quickly once you're gone, that's fine. The tension of your departure is difficult and a lot of kids won't get to the point where they can do a drop off without any tears for quite a while, like a couple of months, if not like six months. But if they're recovering quickly, that lets you know that they are able to upregulate and shift into their public mode rather quickly. It's just difficult, but they're rising to the challenge and they're having a good day and that's fantastic. That shows you that their nervous system is resilient and is able to adjust. So while yes, it would be lovely to be able to leave without any tears, tears aren't the yardstick I suggest using to determine if your child is adjusting well to school. Recovery time is. Same with going home. If your child is upset leaving daycare, it's not an indication that they don't like being home or that they didn't miss you or any of that. It's just the tension of leaving. So try to have a leaving ritual and go through the same ritual every time. That predictability really reduces the number of skills a child needs to use in that moment. It compensates for them. So the more consistent and predictable we can make these transitions, the less energy they'll take, the easier it will be for them to do it over and over and over. Talk about pickup or drop off at home at a neutral time and role play the transition on weekends or in the evening. Give them a chance to process and play with the routine. Play is how children learn to integrate new information. So set up a pretend coat room and pretend that you're driving them to school and dropping them off and go through your normal routine. Same with pickup. They know it's fake, you know it's fake, but it gives them a chance to process their emotions and upregulate or downregulate when there's no immediate change actually happening. It's practice, and practice makes perfect is a cliche for a reason. I know I said the same thing last week. <laughs> so I hope that gives you some ideas on how to make pickups and drop-offs a little bit easier if you've been struggling with them. In my experience, most children will adjust within about three months, which is about three times as long as most educators and parents think children should adjust within. And some will, but a lot won't. 
And it really can take about three months for them to settle into the new routine and get enough experience with those transitions that they go smoothly. As I said, if you have questions or you need some help with these transitions, come and talk about it in the Parenting Posse. The link is in the description. There are so many veteran parents in the Posse that can help you figure out where the disconnect is and how to be able to tweak what you're doing to make it a bit easier on both you and your kiddos. That's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you next time for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.